While we remain standing, I hope you brought your Bible with you this morning. Turn to 1 Corinthians, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. I think it was very wise of you to get up this morning in spite of the cold, the rain, the snow flurries, the I don't want to get out of bed, the, you know, I like it, I, I got all that. But I think what you were doing, whether you realized it or not, was showing, number one, this is important. Number two, Jesus, I want to follow you, even if there are some inconveniences. And so I thought that was a wise thing for you to do. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, go down to verse number 55. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 55. I will read out loud. You read along with me silently, but we'll read this together. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse number 55. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Verse 57. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Our text verse this morning will be verse number 56. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is death. Father, help me this morning, please. I have no desire to, as it were, dazzle anybody with my understanding. If they do not understand if they do not get it, what good would that be? So I pray that this morning with the Holy Ghost's help as I try my best to preach and explain this word that you would help them to grasp it, to get a hold of it, to yield to it and then give them understanding. Father, if there be anybody in here, whether they claim to be a church member or not, if they're not truly saved and have Jesus Christ as Savior, may this sink deep into their mind and heart and cause a great change to know that they need Jesus Christ as Savior. Thank you for this opportunity. Bless those that are watching live stream. Help those who could not make it here this morning that they would understand, if at all possible, I need to be with God's people. Thank you for the Bible. Watch overs, please. For Christ's sake, we pray these things. Amen. You may be seated. Verse number 56, please, in your Bible. Hopefully you have a King James Bible. I want you to look at this. Now watch what it says. Don't just read over the Bible. Read the Bible. On the other hand, don't read into the Bible. Let the Bible tell you what it's trying to say. Watch what it says. Verse number 56, the sting of death is sin. Two things right there. Number one, there seems to be a sting, whatever that is, concerning death. And then it tells us what that is. That sting is sin, okay? So the sting of death, verse number 56, there's a sting, and that sting is sin. Look at verse 56. The strength of sin is the law. I'll try my best to explain that to you in just a moment. But then down in verse number 57, it says this. 
The victory, okay, let me see. Sting of death, that doesn't sound good. Sin, that doesn't sound real good either. The strength of sin, that doesn't sound real good, is the law. I'm not sure what that means. I know what this means. The victory is given, verse 57, through Jesus Christ. So I'm going to cut to the chase and simply say this. It sounds as though I'm not going to have any victory over this stuff here unless I have Christ. So if I do not have Christ as my personal Savior, there's no sense you even understanding the rest of it because it isn't going to make any difference. So first of all, let's talk about death here. The sting of death is sin. In other words, sin has a stinger in it. Um, Y'all know what a scorpion is, right? What a scorpion? Okay. Scorpion on the back of his tail has a stinger, all right? And uh, if it wants to, it just reaches out and, and it can sting like that. Now, it would be great if somehow we could figure out how to get that stinger away from the scorpion and then it'd just be an un, a, a, a non-harmful creature of some kind. So what it says here, sin is the stinger of death or that's in death. Why? Why does it have to be that way? That's a good question. We always like to know the why. So the Bible teaches this. First of all, death has death was brought by sin. The only reason that people die the only reason people died, you say it was a car accident, but why did they have to die? Well, they had COVID. Why did they have to die? Well, they got shot. Why did they have to die? No matter what happens, why do we have to die? I want you to go to Romans chapter 5. We're coming right back to 1 Corinthians. Go backward, if you would. One book, you'll be right there. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 12. Why do we have to die? Well, because of sin. Why? Watch what it says. <clears throat> Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world. That was Adam. Adam. Way back in the very beginning of humanity, he being the first man on this earth, he sinned. I often tell people when I was born, almost all the bell kids had brown hair, mine used to be brown, and brown eyes. Trouble is, before I was born, I put in my request for blonde hair and blue eyes. But I didn't get it. You know why? Because I got what my parents were. My parents had brown hair and brown. You want to know why some of you folks are black? Because that's what your parents were. Don't take offense to it. It's what they were. You know why I'm a white guy? It's not because I chose to be. My parents were. The same thing about sin. You didn't ask for sin. It's a part of your nature. You were born with it because that's what your parents had. Are you understanding? So watch what he says. Wherefore, at, look at verse number 12. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men. Why? For that all have sin. So death is a punishment. Death is not a release. Death is a punishment. Death is a punishment. The very thought of it seems to punish us and causes, if you would, death to have a have a sting to it. We we don't we don't like it. We don't now when we're healthy, we're going, I'm not afraid to die. Yeah, that's because you're not ready to die. Uh, you're not close to dying. But watch what happens here very carefully. If a man had never sinned, if sin had never been brought into you, then you would never die. Because there would have been no sin and I would not die, there'd be no sting to that. But the Bible said all have sin. So what happens? Some believe death is just a way to get people uh, out of this world or off of this planet. If that were the case, then why in the world 
Okay, death would have no sting to it to begin with. Why would we refer to it if that's true? Why would we refer to it as the, uh, as, as the grim reaper? You know, we talk about that way. Because there seems to be this foreboding, scary, wondering, what does this mean? What will happen to me when I die? There would be no fear or dread of death at all if there was no sting to it. So, example. If we knew that when we die, we were, you remember Elijah in the Old Testament, the Bible said he was caught up in a chariot and a whirlwind and went to heaven. Now, if that's the way we're all going to go, we would be praying even now. Maybe my chariot will come today, who knows. And we just go and fly away, right? We're making stuff up now. He went that way, other people don't go that way. So what happens is since our departure is by way of death, the only way you get out of this world is death. Well, the rapture, okay. But still, your body will be changed and this will die and whatever. We don't have time to get into all that. So since our departure is by way of death, most of us are not anxious and looking forward to dying. There is this seemingly unknown about it, this foreboding, this why are people so scared? What, what are they afraid of? What's going on? What's this all about? We tend to do that all the time because sin is the sting of death. Listen, sin, all men have sinned. Sin is the sting of death. It's the penalty for sin. Therefore, death is a punishment. It's not a reward. It's not a getting out of here. It is a punishment because of sin. All have sinned, so we're looking forward to something that's going to bring punishment our direction, and in that there is a sting about dying. Secondly, not only is sin the sting of death because it is the penalty of sin, but also just because of sin itself. What do I mean by that? My father was um, a drunkard. Uh, there's a lot of those around. There's a lot of, there's cheaper ways now. You can do pharmaceuticals, I guess. Um, and because, of, imagine if you would, think along with me, that you know someone who is a drunkard, a, a dad who's a drunkard. And uh, imagine if you would that throughout his life he ignored his faithful wife. She, she stood by him. As a matter of fact, I think my, my wife's grandmother did that. Her husband was a coal mining, West Virginia? Question? I, I don't read sign. What does that mean? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Um, you didn't know either. Uh, and a womanizer, and he drunk all the time, and he would take the family's food money and bill money, and on the weekends he'd just take off and go drinking. He had like six, seven boys, a couple of girls, and, or a girl, and uh, he just basically concerned about his consumption and drinking and in the meantime kids were doing without wife was doing without bills were doing without and so can you imagine as he's facing death look at me as he's facing death sin itself starts showing itself to him he starts seeing what he has done and what he's going to have to face so he looks at all of this and he views the past and he thinks about his children, and he thinks about his wife, and he thinks about how he stole, he thinks about how he drank, he thinks about the problems he created and got into, don't you think that at the time of death, 
when most people are very honest at the time of death, if you're not all drugged up. At the time of death, the thing that's coming to his forefront is what he did to his own family, to his own children, to his own wife. These things will come rushing towards him, the things he did, and he knows that punishment is coming his way. That is stinging him at the time of death because sin and death is a punishment. The sin we created. Imagine a man or woman living in a life of debauchery, pornography, lusting, immoral lifestyle. Imagine the stinging thoughts and feelings he would have as he begins to face death going towards the grave. Imagine what's flashing in his mind as he thinks of all the people, the purity and the innocence that he has ruined. Imagine in his mind, his mind's eye as he views all of these people who's, who's because of what he did or what he was a part of, now they've gone on to deeper and greater sin because of what he did. Maybe some died because of a disease from him. Maybe some are suffering illegitimate children, women trying to raise children by themselves as he went someplace else. We really think these people are getting by. We really think that there's no punishment for them. We really think that they got over. Some bore illegitimate children. Some murdered their baby. We call it abortion. When such a man has committed such acts, when he lays down to die, these things will come flooding in. They're not flooding into his mind. They're in his mind. It's just that in this world, we crowd it with other stuff and we don't want to think about it. All of these things come marching forward into his memory like a memorial procession and the sting that it will bring at death because of sin. He'll have to face. The sting of death is sin. The sting is sin, and that's what brings forth death. You that are unsaved, if you're in here, please do not play this religious game and, oh no, I'm a member. Being a member of the Anchor Baptist Church or every church between here and Tadpole, Kentucky is not going to get you to heaven. Sit still. It's not going to get you to heaven. Membership never got anybody to heaven. Baptistry never got anybody to heaven. The Pope never got anybody to heaven. Mary, Mother Mary. Mother Mary never got anybody to heaven. You ready for this? Pastor Bell never got anybody to heaven. Jesus is the door into heaven. If you do not have Jesus Christ as Savior, you're not going to. So quit fooling yourself. So I'm trying to live right. Living right doesn't get you to heaven. <clears throat> Living right, when you get to heaven, it doesn't say this is the door to get to heaven. Living right. It doesn't say that. Jesus is the door. The Bible says so. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you're unsaved and you look back in your life, a life of sin and rebellion, you'll not say, well, at least I had a good time. We're talking about the time of death. Right now you can because of your pride and stubbornness. But at the time of death, all of that's going to go by the wayside. I have been in the hospital with some people that had pride and stubbornness until they knew. So this is it. Everything changed then. 
up to that point, I don't want to hear that. I don't want that preacher in here. I don't want anybody talking to me about that kind of stuff. I know where I'm going. And all kinds of pride comes forward until, until this is it. Then what is in our mind and has been a part of our life comes running forward. Listen to me. Death is not a release from this life. It's the only way out of here. But you keep, somebody has told you death is it. And you bought into that because you don't want to think of maybe judgment. You don't want to think of what happens to all the things that you have done. So you have to understand. You see, you're going to see all the crooked deals that you pull on other people. And then you bragged about how stupid they were and how you got over. But you see, now it's time for death. Now you're facing death and all of this is coming to the forefront. You see, because sin is the sting. This is going to sting all the hurt and heartache your sinful life has caused. Your sinful life, your rebellion, your stubbornness, your pridefulness, your out and outright sin and violent, whatever it is, will come forward at a time of death. Why do I say that? Because you see what brings forth death is sin. And sin has a sting to it. What is that sting? All the opportunities. Here's one you don't think of. All the opportunities that God gave you to get saved and serve him. You mocked at, you laughed at, you walked out of church over and said, I don't believe that. But you see now, I'm getting ready to die. I'm very serious now. Now I'm thinking very sober. Now this makes a difference to me. Now I have no time to lie, play around, or act like I don't know what you're talking about. This is coming. Sin, in retrospect, will sting when it comes time to... Retrospect is my past coming forward. Normally we ignore that and pay no attention to it until right up against the door of death. Then there's no more escape. There's no more time. There's no more the doctor's going to help me. Everybody said, do you want us to pull the plug? This is all we can do. And you know it. If a man's ever going to be honest in his entire life, it's normally during a time like that. There was a man on the battlefield one time, and back in the day, chaplains, even when I was in Vietnam, chaplains would come out. They didn't stay very long. But they'd come out, and they'd hand out New Testament and maybe have a quick prayer, get back on the helicopter and get out of there. And uh, they would come out and say a few words. Well, it seems as though in battles in past, chaplain went out and, of course, he was speaking to, to people that were there, men on the battlefield and people that were hurting. And he would stop by and he would ask them uh, different things all the time. And as he was going by, the chaplain went by one man and said, Son, is there anything I can do for you? The man began to cry and just cried out, Chaplain, chaplain, I don't need someone to do something for me. I need someone to undo some things for me. Do you understand? It's too late. At the end of life, you cannot undo a lifetime full of sin. You cannot go back and say, I'll make it all right. It's too, you're dying. You cannot do that. If you're here this morning and unsafe, I'm talking about you. Death stings, and it stings because of sin. All men have sinned. All death has a sting to it because of our sinfulness. And also death is a punishment. No one is as honest as a man when he's facing death. You ever had one of those what you call close calls? You know, we go, boy, that was close. Right? You're going down the highway and you went left to center. Well, somebody down there on Demers Road, uh, they didn't have a close call. They went off the road, hit a, hit a telephone pole. I mean, they whacked that thing right down. Car was all smashed in the front end. And uh, that wasn't a close call. 
That happened. But you ever had a close call? And in that close call, certain things begin to happen in your mind. I remember back when I first got saved, this back in uh, middle, late 70s, uh, I had gotten saved five, six years earlier than that. And uh, I, had a, I had a van and I was, I was working at a factory back in a brake shoe factory and you had one hour for lunch. And so back in those days, unlike some of you want to face today, if you were late two or three times, they fired you. So, I don't know why we thought this way. We'll leave the factory. We'll go all the way down to the Dairy Queen, get our lunch, and get all the way back before the hour's over with. That looks like an accident ready to happen, doesn't it? So, there I was in this van, and I'm looking both directions, looking both directions. Traffic's coming back and forth, and I got to hurry. I got, you know what's going to happen when you hurry driving? Okay, so I got to hurry. I got to get up. So I'm looking this way, looking that way, looking this way. And traffic never goes, okay, we're done. It goes, you always have these stragglers, you know. And there you are getting impatient. And why didn't the guy just hurry, get out of my way? And I'm amping up. And all of a sudden, I look this way and I see a guy actually waves me out. And I take off. And as I look back, as soon as my eyes went this way, there was a car just feet from me. And he was barreling down on me. And he hit me. And my van, I don't know how many times it spun around, but you know those things that happens in your brain. I saw my whole life flash before my eyes. Now, I'll tell you exactly what happened. I spun around and around, ended up in about a five or six foot ditch. I thought I broke both of my legs. My legs hit on the dash like that. I thought I broke one arm. And I'm sitting there. You wouldn't believe it. Maybe five seconds, maybe 10 at the most. All kinds of things while I was spinning around. It's like slow motion. Many of the things in my life come flashing into my mind, which is really weird because I'm thinking I thought about my wife, I thought about my job, I thought about bills, I thought about who's going to do this, how am I going to take care of that, all these things in, in just a couple of seconds come flooding into my mind while I'm sitting in a ditch. Reality hit my life. I totaled my van that time. That kind of flashed through my mind afterward. All these things come rushing forward. You see, I could have died, I suppose. Close call. So what did that mean? Maybe I should have paid attention. Maybe you've never had this kind of an experience or maybe you really do know what I'm talking about. And the first thing that comes into your mind above everything is the wickedness and the evil and the sin that you've been creating. Every time, every time, especially in a Christian's life, I maybe a sinner too, I've been saved since I was 20. In your life, you think like, I know why this is happening. Man, I knew something like this. You ever do that? I knew something like this would happen. Do you know why you assume that it was probably going to happen? Because of the sin that's in your life. And this incident that brought you with a brush with death simply said, you know what you need to do. You know what's going on in your life. It may be pleasurable today. Aren't you having a good time in sin? Yeah. Preacher, you wouldn't believe this and believe that. If I told you, man, I'd be embarrassed. But boy, what a good time. Okay. Do you know if it's sinful at all? Not what you think sinful. If it's sinful at all, it's in here. Look up here. It's in here. And when you get close to death, this that's in here that was never meant to be in there, 
is that stinger that's waiting for death to sting you when it comes forward. Those unpleasant, hateful, I wished I never had, why did I do that, I can't believe this, why now, I know I'm guilty, all those things are just stinging you and the Bible said it's because of sin. These things, these sinful things you're enjoying today is going to be a part of that stinging as you get ready to die. Why is sin the stinger in death? Number one, death is brought by sin. If it wasn't no sin, we'd never die. Secondly, because of sin itself. But thirdly, sin in retrospect, that means looking backward, stings when you die. But what about, what about, what about prospect, looking forward? Okay, I understand things I did when I get ready to die, they are coming back to my memory or they're coming forward. I understand that. Okay, that kind of makes sense. But thank you very much. But here I am. Here I am. What about my sinful things going forward? See, you really thought at death it all stops, didn't you? Our, our world pushes that because it doesn't want to think about God and judgment, heaven and hell. It doesn't want to think about that. So we tell people, I think when you die, that's the end of it. Boy, wouldn't that be easy? All I got to do is somehow suffer through death and it's over. But that's not the way things go. Death is not the end of it all. Death is, 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 the, is, the, is not the uh, uh, reality of escape. Uh, it is the beginning. When you die, this is the shortest part of your life is where you're living right now. I'll be 72. You say, man, that's a long time. Oh, no, it, it's like that. Eternity is forever. Everybody, everybody exists forever. You are an eternal soul. You will never die. Some will live forever after the body stops. Ready? Others will live forever, but actually they're not living. They're dying forever. You see, what you decided to do, I don't need Christ, I don't need church, I don't need that stuff, I enjoy what I'm doing. And so death caught up with you and you died and that stinger hit you like that and because of sin you died and you thought, well, at least it's over with. Oh, no, 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 it's not over with. Now you're going forward facing judgment and answering for those sins. You thought you were getting over, but that's not true. You see, you don't get rid of your sin when you die. There's a great, if, I'm talking about unsaved people, unsaved. If you're unsaved, please listen to me. God does not want to send you to hell. You're going to do that all on your own. God does not want to punish you. You're already doing that. And you're sinning for things that are going to punish you. Your sins. So just live it up like the world told you to. So what happens in all this, you will be cast in there. You'll stand at the great white throne. Next word, judgment. Judgment. Most people that I know of since I've been a Christian have never been in a judge's chamber or in a courtroom. So you really don't understand other than what you read or saw as being truth on TV. It is not a pleasant thing. You're standing before a judge who basically, according to law, has absolute authority to decide what to do with you. Almighty God, not Jesus Christ the Savior, Almighty God. 
who spoke the worlds into existence, who created with words in his mouth. If you're unsaved, you will stand before him and I wonder what you will tell him about your willingness not to accept him and continue on his hand. What are you going to tell him? You don't have some shyster lawyer, some guy you paid big money for, and he knows the judge, and we're going to get you out of here. Not going to happen. Nobody else is going to stand there with you and give excuse. No mom, no dad, no best friend, no preacher, nobody. You'll stand there all by yourself before Almighty God. On his throne with absolute judgment. The Bible said, who heaven and earth wish it wasn't even there. Wish we could just get away from here. This is not going to be a good day. You'll stand there. You know what you're going to answer for? Your sins. You go, preacher, you're going to be there? No, no, no. Somebody else answered for my sins. Somebody else answered for my sins. I understand. We'll get to that in a moment. The fearful looking forward to facing judgment because of your sins. Now, I know what you've done. Oh, I forgot about that. I forgot about that. Did I do that? I don't remember that. Can I help you with something? God has a perfect memory. God has books that your entire life is being written in. The Bible even teaches there is no darkness with God. You can't hide in the dark. The Bible says darkness, light to God. His eye runs to and fro over the whole earth. He beholds everything. He didn't miss a thing. And your life is written down, your works are written down in books. Your sins, your denial, the things you did and did not do are written down in books in heaven. Even saying that, you start thinking, you mean, what if, yeah, they're there. But I think the worst part about that is the opportunity, like this morning, that you have been given and you decided, yes, yeah, I think I'll just sleep during this part. And God said, you did that on purpose. You distracted yourself on purpose. You walked out on purpose. You started arguing in your head with the Bible on purpose. And God said, I was there. I was there that morning in January 2024. I was there in the Anchor Baptist Church. I watched. I listened. I saw you. I knew what you were doing. I knew the purposeful distractions that you made because you said, this is silly. I don't want to listen. And God said, I got it all written down. Got it all written down. You say, I don't believe in all that. Years ago, back in, I think it was the 1700s, 17, late 1700s, uh, there was a, 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 an atheist by the name of Voltaire. Maybe you heard of him, maybe you haven't heard of him. He denied the Lord, the existence of God, hated the Lord, hated Christianity, hated the Bible. Anything that was of God, he wasn't for, said, I don't believe in all that kind of stuff until, 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 guess when? Come time to die. I've had him stand up to me. I don't care what you say. I just don't believe in that kind of stuff. Oh, you mean when life's good to you, when you still can run and play and do what you want. I understand. I understand. Voltaire was this way all of his life, wrote books about it, and he cried out when he got ready to die, and watch what he says. He says this, I'm abandoned by God and man. Now, why would you say that? There is no God. He said so. Till reality set in. You see, reality is not always what you're living. But there's a reality about death that all of us are going to have to face. He said to his doctor, Dr. Trojan, I believe is the way you pronounce his name, I'll give you half of all of my worth if you can give me six more months to live. The doctor said, I can't do that. You're dying. 
He said, then I shall go to another place. He said, and believe in hell. So he cried out to God, which he said there wasn't any. Then he said, I'm going to go to hell, which he said there's no such thing. And then he looked at his doctor and said, you're going to. Voltaire said that. In his dying breath, he exclaimed just before he gave up his last breath, oh, Jesus Christ, I thought you didn't believe in him. Do you know the calls I get from people I don't even know? Preacher, can you come down and speak to my family? Can you come down and have prayer with my dad? Can you watch over my son? He's, he's in a bad way at the heart. Can you come down and pray for him? You don't go to church. You don't read your Bible. You blaspheme all the time. And now all these things are running forward. And you want some kind of an instant go away. He wasn't dead yet, and yet he was suffering all of those sins coming forward into his life. Thomas Paine was part of American history. Thomas Paine and, and the unbelievers and people who hate God are quick to say, he's a deist. Well, he may have been. But he questioned the deity of God. He questioned the Old New Testament's validity. There's a lot of things about Christianity he did not agree with or did not say that he believed in. But he said this when he got ready to die. We'll talk about real people, real people. Okay, not made up people, not stories of the Bible, real people. He said, oh, Lord, help me. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You weren't sure there was even such a person. But come time to die, you get real serious. See, right now, you can just stand there in, in, in absolute pride and stare at me like, whatever, that's your belief. Okay, okay, okay. I will tell you one thing that's going to happen to all of us. We may not all get saved. We may not all be lost, but all of us are going to face death young or old, we're all going to face death. You see what happens here is this. He said, oh Lord, help me for I cannot bear to be left alone. You ever notice how often we say that? Leave me alone, leave me alone, leave me alone. But we don't want to be left alone. People don't mind being alone when they choose to be. But almost everybody hates it when they have no choice. I just don't like being alone. You see what happened is it stung him. As he was dying sin brought about death and in that there's a sting and it was stinging him pretty good. The sinner's ultimate doom, your ultimate doom is not the grave. It's not even hell. It's a lake of fire which is the second death the Bible talks about. We find out here in Luke chapter 16, you don't need to turn there there was a rich man that died. The Bible said he went to hell. Now, this is a true story, not a parable, because in parables, the Bible does not mention people's names. So I'll let you know that, try to help you out there a little bit. Now, what happened is we have a rich man that died, and he went to hell. We have recorded in the Bible his conversation. He had a conversation. Look up here. You've seen rebellious kids walk out before. Look up here. And that would be the first one. Now, he said this. He's in hell. And he says this. You ready? You ready? Here's what he says. He's talking to Abraham, who's a long distance away, but he can see and hear him. Now, there's no more of this. That's all gone since Jesus went to heaven. He says this. The guy in hell is talking to Abraham where Lazarus now is, and he says to 
Abraham, send Lazarus. This is the guy that was at your gate. This is the guy you passed over. This is the guy you paid no attention to. This is the guy you never even showed any sympathy towards. You walked over him and by him most all of your life. And he says this. And by the way, Abraham says, talking to him, Son, remember thou in thy lifetime enjoyed thy good things? Do you remember that? Remember the good time you had? Remember how you had pretty much what you wanted? And Lazarus had his poor thing. You remember that? You remember that? You remember how he lived? You remember how you lived? Now, Lazarus is in Abraham's bosom, and you're in hell. That's not what God wanted. That's what he chose. But he says this. Now that he's in hell, he says, Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water. Just a tip. He didn't say that he'd give me water. Give me a couple. Just a tip to cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. I'm tormented. Reality. It's going to happen. He's burning in flames, tormented, and desires water and never gets it. He wants to have mercy. Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Never had mercy. He wanted just a drop of water. No drop of water. You're not getting it. He desperately wanted it, but he wasn't going to get it. The sting of death is sin because death is the penalty for sin. People die because we sin. That's what he told Abraham. I'm sorry. That's what he told uh, Adam and Eve. The day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Why? Because you're sinning. When you begin to sin and sin enters in, there is death that, that is the punishment for that. So what happens here? The sting of death is sin because of sin itself. So in retrospect, man sees his sins like skeletons coming out of a closet. All these homosexuals, pedophiles, thieves, violent people, just walking down the street, punching people just because you're cool. You got over it, didn't you? You got over it. Somehow God missed that part, didn't he? No. You see, part of the deceivement about living this way is you think nobody saw you, nobody caught you. Everything, 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 everything has been written down. Death stings because of sin in prospect also. It's going before you. You're not leaving your sin behind. You die and go to hell. You're going into judgment to answer for those things. You can't answer for them now. That's why you hide them. You can't answer for them now. That's why you don't want to talk about them. You're going to stand before God and you will give an answer to God of the things which you have committed in your body. A man sees he's going to die and go to hell. is there forever with his sins. With his sins. But I thank God one day God showed me you don't have to do that. That is the truth. And a lot of people are going to go that way, but you don't have to go that way. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 once again. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look at verse number 56. The sting of death is sin. The sting of death. The reason that death makes it so fearful, hurtful, harmful, terrible, it stings. It stings. Wait a minute, hold on. And the strength of sin, okay, so 
the sting of death is sin. Okay, so there's sin. That's the sting. And what makes it so strong or gives sin its strength is the law. Is the law. What's he talking about here? What gives strength to sin? Look up here. God does it. It doesn't matter to him whose uncle you are, whose pet person you are, what family you were born into. God is no respecter of persons. God, according to his law, the Bible said, we shall be judged according to the word of God. Doesn't make any difference who you are, what color you are, what, what place in history you are, what level of economics you live on. It makes no difference to God whatsoever. What gives strength to sin is God's law. God has a set law, has set laws, and God's laws are spiritual. Well, if I'm better over here and not better over here, hang got a thing to do with it. Not a thing to do with it. There are certain demands that God makes. For example, watch how strong the law is. Now, we're not like that. We go downtown and we get ourselves a good lawyer or we know how to talk real good. Man, I, it's a, man, I lied like crazy, but I talked my way right out of that one. The worst thing a judge or an attorney could ever do is get you off on something you did. You know why? You'll do it again. You know why? No punishment. But let's talk about God's law. If the law said, if it said, thou shalt not curse. If I behave myself, I could probably not do that. I, I could probably not do that. What if the law said, thou shalt not kill? I, I think I could refrain from, well, most people. I think I could refrain from not killing. What if the law said, thou shalt not commit adultery? I could withhold myself, I could restrain myself, I could separate myself and not commit adultery. I could do that. I think I could do I really do think that. But God's words make stronger, deeper demands than what we do. For example, turn to Matthew chapter number 5. See, if we're not careful, we, we think of God like we do a judge down here, a father down here, a, a friend down here, and, and that's not, most of the time, that's not even close. Matthew chapter number 5. Look at verse number 28. <clears throat> but I say unto you, in verse 28, chapter number 5, Whosoever looketh upon a woman. You know, in the Bible in the Old Testament, you know, that mean commandments of God. You know, the ten things that people can't do. It says you're not supposed to commit adultery. New Testament, you know, the one where Jesus loves and, and we're set at liberty. Watch what it says here. Whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed it. Already in his heart. You know, you can commit adultery in a, with a book, a movie, a magazine. Are you listening to me? You see, the law is so strong. The strength of sin is the law. The law does not say, let's plea bargain. There's no plea bargaining in the law. Not God's law. 
not God's law. So what happens here is simply this. He said, and Jesus said, whosoever looketh upon, looketh, just look. You didn't touch her. You didn't do anything. You didn't follow through. Looketh upon a woman to lust after her, hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Man, that's pretty strong, don't you think? By the way, Jesus said, not Mark, Matthew, Luke, James, Jesus said. That's pretty strong. How can anybody get around that? Exactly. See, we keep padding things and pushing things here and there. God said, no, there's my law. That's why when somebody says you have to keep the Ten Commandments, you have to keep the law. That's ridiculous. You know how strong the law is? You have any idea how strong the law is? In 1 John chapter 3, verse 15, whosoever hateth his brother hath committed murder. Man, how strong is that? How, how, how's this person supposed to do right if you even, you hate your brother, you're committing murder? Man, that's pretty strong, isn't it? As far as God's law is concerned, you committed murder without a gun, without a knife, without a rock, without a club. By hating. That's pretty tough. The law makes such demands. Makes such demands. That is what makes sin so strong. There's no compromising. There's no plea bargaining. There's no, well, I have to let you off, but you, I'm going to, God doesn't do that. God does not respect person. God treats everybody according to his word, which to me sounds very fair. I am so glad, I don't know about you, back almost 52 years ago, right, I think, I gave my life to Christ. And now, though, honestly, I'm not looking forward to dying. At times, I say, well, I wish I'd just go to heaven. The part that bothers us isn't heaven. And it isn't sometimes living down here. It's how do we get from here to here. There's an unknown there that still even bothers Christians. We're not, you know, God doesn't say a whole lot about that. He doesn't say how much space is there, how dark it will be, how long it will be, what will happen to us physically. What was, it doesn't say, it just says, that he'll meet us there. That's all it says, in, in words more or less, okay? One place is called the valley of the shadow of death. Please understand, you can't have shadows without light. So I assume that Jesus will be there. Somebody from heaven will be there. I'm glad I can shout today that Jesus has freed me from the law. Hold on, don't misunderstand. That doesn't mean I can do what I want. That means the strength of the law now rests upon Jesus Christ and not me. What did that what did the poet say? Free from the law, oh happy condition, Jesus has bled, and there is remission. Cursed by the law and bruised by the fall, grace hath redeemed us once and for all. That's me. 50-some years ago, this helpless sinner facing death, knowing that all of my sins will be accountable one day and then going to judgment before me, one day simply fell down and said, Jesus, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. Save me, save me, save me. And he did. With a heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. 
anybody. You don't need to understand the Bible to get saved. You need to believe and repent that Jesus is the Savior and you are a sinner. And when those two get together, you can be saved today. And God knows why you're not saved as of right now. It's not because you don't understand. It's not because you're confused. It's because you don't want to be saved right now. For the Bible said, let whosoever will. You have a will. You have a brain. Contrary to popular belief, you have one. And when you say, you know something, Jesus is the Savior. I know I'm a sinner. You get those two together, the devil cannot stop you, and God is not going to force you. You have to decide yourself. But the outcome of not doing that is pretty bad. I can't keep the law. I don't know about you. Well, I do know about you. You can't either. James in chapter number 2 and verse 10. You keep most of it? Well, that's just enough to send you to hell. James chapter 2, verse number 10. For whosoever shall keep the whole law, yet offend in one, is guilty of all. You know what God is saying? It's perfection or nothing. It is perfection or nothing. He didn't say except teenagers, little kids, grandpas. It applies to everybody. Jesus made it so obvious and so easy, even children can get saved. Sir, what is your excuse for not coming to Christ? I'll tell you what a lot of it is, your sins. The things you've done you think you can't stop, the things you're doing you don't want to stop, whatever it is comes flooding forward. This is what's going to happen, an invitation even right now is going on. Man, I probably ought to do that, but go ahead. Fill in the blanks. Fill in the blanks. I'll have to stop this. I'll have to give that up. What if I can't? What if I can't? Yeah, but I am. I still like. Okay, all that is coming between you and a decision even you know you need to make. You say, I, I almost kept the law. Yeah, well, you got to be perfect to keep it. Not only is the law strong because it makes terrible demands, and it does. The Bible said, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. It shall die. Now, please understand, die doesn't mean go to the grave, it's over. Die means die dead to this life. You're an eternal soul. Your body will be eaten up by worms. But you, my dear friend, will continue on. Heaven or hell. By the way, not God's choice. Not St. Peter. Not good works or bad works. Your decision to receive Christ or not receive him. There is no mercy, no forgiveness. Once you break the laws that God demands, you're guilty. And you will have to pay for I'm talking to lost people. Listen to me. How strong the law concerning our lives is. Not only strong because it makes terrible demands and it offers no mercy nor forgiveness, but it requires perfection. Come on, God, what were you thinking of? You see, Adam and Eve, they were perfect in the garden. God created them that way. So we didn't start off knuckle grabbers and trying to figure out a fire and drawing goofy pictures on cave walls. We started off very intelligent, walking with God, made in his image. That's the way man started off. And we, 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 we decreased from there. We didn't, we're not increasing, we're decreasing. No one can ever stand and proclaim perfection according to God's law. According to Psalm 130, verse number 3, If thou, O Lord, shouldst mark iniquity, who should stand? If God would say, I'm going to mark iniquities in everybody's life, nobody would be standing when it's done. 
we all are becoming guilty before God. Not only is it strong because it demands perfection, but it demands a penalty. Folks, please listen, please. Our world is deceiving you in thinking if there's mitigating circumstances, the judge will let me off. If I can come up with a good excuse, he'll understand and we can plea bargain. You know, if I, if I act like I'm innocent or maybe I'm a victim, maybe he'll have compassion on me. And let... You're thinking about a worldly person. You're not thinking about God. By the understand, this is not what God wanted. This is what you wanted. You said, I don't, I'm not receiving Christ. It doesn't matter to me. Death's the end of it. Okay, all right. Then you're going to have, this is you. This is you. I'm talking to you right now. It demands a penalty, not like the laws of our government. You stand before a holy, just, almighty God that's not going to have any mercy, and you broke his laws. You did that. And then you didn't turn to his only begotten son and said, please forgive me. You're guilty. You owe a penalty because of that guilt. There's no need for argument. There's no need for any lawyer. There's no need for any story. You're guilty. Even sitting here, you already know this. Let me quickly go to this. Go to 1 Corinthians, if you're not there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, once again. You say, well, what am I supposed to do? I have sinned. What am I supposed to do? It sounds to me like once I mess up, I'm doomed for hell. Yep. What, what am I supposed to do? I, I'm trying to live right, but I can't, and even God knows I can't do it. I have to be perfect or it's nothing. Yep, that's exactly right. Not feeling guilty yet? Still thinking of an excuse? There's your problem. God does not want you to find an excuse because there's not one. God does not want you to excuse yourself because that is just foolish. God says he wants you to understand you're guilty before me. Understand that. Then he gives his only begotten son as the only way to escape this. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God. Right after he talked about death, right after he talked about its sting, right after he talked about the strength of sin as the law, he said, but thank, but thank, and, and, and all of that, thank God, which giveth us the victory. Hold on, hold on, through who? Not Muhammad, not Buddha, not the Pope, not Pastor Bell, not your mama, not your grandmother, but he says right here, thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ. There's your victory right there. There is no other door. There is no other argument. That's it. You either accept that or die and go to hell. And when you get ready to die, your sins will come flooding forward and that will sting you. Those thoughts, those feelings, that emotion, what you did will sting you. And then when you die, you're going to look forward. I got to face this in judgment? Yes. I'm going to pay for this throughout all of eternity? Yes. Understand, there is a strength in the law you cannot get off. That's the strength of the law. This is the way it is. But thanks be to God. At the beginning of the message, I said, death is a terrible monster with a sting. Like a scorpion. Remember I said that? What makes death so terrible is the sting. The sting is sin. What if somebody could extract the stinger out of death? 
I'm interested now. So let me get this right. What if somebody could actually take the stinger out of death? In other words, what is the sting? Sin. If it, what if somebody could take that? Then death would just, what, being carried by angels? Or, I mean, come on, couldn't be that bad. The sting's gone, right? If somehow somebody could do this, you know where I'm going with this, right? Those of you that are saved, well, thanks be to God, right? Isn't that what he said? Thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't say through church. He didn't say through changing your life. He said through Jesus Christ. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There is not another name ever anywhere you call on where you can be forgiven of sin and end up in heaven than Jesus Christ. God be thanked. How? How does God give the victory? How did he extract the stinger that's in death. How did he do that? Well, about 2,000 years ago, his only begotten son who never sinned, who has no idea what that would be like, voluntarily said, I will take all of your sin. The sting that comes with it, the punishment that comes with it, the payment that comes with it, and I will take that upon me if you'll receive me as your Savior. Sounds like a pretty good deal to me. 2,000 years ago, he never said, he paid. He lived the law which demands perfection. He did that. We can't. He, he, he met those demands. You see, the law is very strong. But we have a stronger Savior. The law says condemn and there's no way out. Our Savior said I live the law, therefore I have the right. You accept me, I can get you through this. He's stronger than the law. A righteous Savior, a sinless Savior, a perfect substitute who bore our sins, our sins, upon the cross on his body. You want to go free? You want to make it to where your past sins at death will not come up and destroy your life? You want to make it so that looking forward, you're not facing all the filth and sin and harm and unbelief that you caused? One way out. The law said you'll pay. The law said you're guilty. The law said this is the way that it is. Jesus met the law. Jesus was perfect. And Jesus said, because I did that, you accept me, you can go free. Oh, what a Savior, oh, hallelujah, he gave his life's blood for even me. Once I was drifting in sin's dark valley. But you see, now I walk through the valley of the shadow. He met God's demands. He kept God's laws. He lived and died as the sinner's substitute. Death is an enemy. It's a monster to be dreaded. But the, but, but the thing that makes it so terrible is the stinger, is the stinger. And Jesus took our sin upon himself by receiving him. That stinger went into him and not into me. Jesus kept the law. 
if you'll receive him as Savior, he'll take that stinger out of your death. I like sports. Bigger boys were playing football. And there was a littler guy that he was on the team, but he never really got a chance to play. And they won. They won the game. He was so excited. He went running home. Told his mom, Mom, we won. Mom, we won. Hey, Mom, we won. What are you talking about, we won? What are you talking about? Yeah, we won the game. She said, Honey, you're so small. You never played in the game. I know, but I'm on the team. Do you understand? We had nothing to do with winning the game. But there is everything you can do about being on the team. So you get on the team, one of these days you can shout and say, praise the Lord, we won, we won, we won. And anybody can look at you and say, you didn't do anything about it. And you can just shout hallelujah, you're right. I had nothing to do about it. Jesus Christ and his father were the only one on Calvary that day that won salvation. Because he paid for it all, I can go free if I accept him. He did it all. When the trumpet sounds, we'll be able to sell. Don't you understand? That's the day we're actually looking forward now. There was a day I wasn't looking forward. Depressed, angry, miserable, no purpose, no direction. What do I care? But now I long for the day. I long for the day. So preacher, what about the sting? Jesus handled that for me. What about the punishment? Jesus handled that for me. It doesn't mean that I don't have to suffer sometimes down here because of what I've done. And that's true. But in eternity, I'll never pay for one sin. Jesus did that for me. You see, we didn't pay, we didn't play in the game that brought salvation. Jesus played that, that great game of salvation all by himself. It wasn't you and Jesus won this game. It was Jesus. But you can be on the team. You want to be on the team? You can be on the team. The victory is ours if we will receive him as Savior. I like this story. Well, I was little one time, and, and we lived in Hilliard at the time. I think my dad was still at the house. And, and uh, back then, in that area that we lived in, nobody had fences. And so you could cut through people's yards. And way back then, most people didn't have their yards treated. They would just grow and mow it, you know. And there was clover. You know what I mean, clover? They had the little white heads, and bees just loved clover. You know what I'm talking about? And so I'm running across there barefooted. All I had was on a pair of shorts. And I'm running across there, and I got stung in one foot. While I'm hopping around, I got stung in the other foot. I fell down and rolled and got stung twice in the back. It was a bad day. little boy working with his mom out in the flower garden and uh, he kept swatting and he'd run and he'd try to get away. His mom said, what are you doing? He says, there's a bee. I don't want to be stung. So she reached over and slapped at the bee and she said, it'll be okay now. Well, the bee's still flying around and she said, honey, it'll be okay. And she showed him her hand and there was a stinger right there and her hand was turning red where she had hit the bee and it stung her. And she said, honey, here's what you have to understand. That bee may still be flying around, but here's the stingers in me. Yeah. 
His stinger is in me, so you have nothing to fear anymore. He can no longer sting you because he stung me. Are you catching the story? It's what Jesus Christ did for you. Jesus said the sting of death is sin. Christian, go ahead and die. You may not know a lot about it, and it may hold some fear for you, but you have no fear looking forward to answering for your sin. Jesus already did that. But let's go back to you that are unsaved. Whether you're members of church or not, whether you got baptized here or not, whether you say you're okay or not, if you're not, you're not. It's not up to me. It's up to Jesus. Do you know the Bible said the word of God even knows the difference between thoughts and intentions? That's cutting pretty close, isn't it? I don't know where one begins and the other ends, but the Bible does. God does. Well, I think God said, no, you can know. Quit guessing it, Sal. Well, I think I'm okay. I'd hate to miss heaven because I thought something was right and it's not. I'd hate to face God Almighty and say, but I thought when I can know for sure. You see, Jesus has the holes in his hand that said, look, I was stung for you. You see this right here? I was stung for you. You see my feet? I was stung for you. And because I was stung for you, you don't have to fear that anymore. If I am your savior, I was stung for you. You're a part of my family now. If you're not, you're not. And there is a fearful looking forward to being stung someday in your life. Jesus took care of the sting of death. The battle's already been handled. I'm not going to heaven because I'm perfect or even close to it. I'm going to heaven because he's perfect. I'm not going to heaven because I'm not afraid of death. I'm going to heaven because he took that for me. I'll still have to die. I have no idea from the time I die to how far it is to heaven. I do know this. On the day that Jesus died, early that morning, they went to the grave. He was already up. That night, between that morning, he went to heaven, came back, was in church service that night. I'm not making this up. So I don't know minutes, seconds, hours. He said, Mary, don't touch me for I have not yet ascended to my father. That night, he came back to church service and said, I'm not a ghost. Here, touch my hands. So I don't know what that means. Faster than speed of light? Sound? What? I don't know. Faster than that? I don't know. But it didn't seem to bother him a whole lot. You see, after death is eternal life. My dear friend, if you're not saved, I don't know what else to tell you. Death is coming to us all. I don't care what your age is. There is no excuse making with God. There is strength in the law. And the law says, this is the way it is. The reason you have to die is because all have sinned. Sin has a sting in it. That's the part that stings us. Look, look, a, look, look a, a scorpion is just a, a bug with a real dangerous tail on it. You take that out, it's kind of scary, but it ain't going to hurt anybody. I'm going to die too, just like you. But after death, who's going to be waiting on you? Jesus, or are you going to just give him an argument? You going to give God an argument? 
wait a minute, this isn't fair. First of all, that'll never be said. You're standing at the great white throne judgment because you don't have Christ. There is no argument. But we're talking about the reality of death this morning. Ready? You ready? Are you ready to die? I mean, right now. I was out soul winning one day. I used to tell people that out on the street here on the west side and down the bottoms. I'd talk to people. I said, let me ask you a question. If I pulled out a gun right now and shot, I don't do that anymore. People don't like you doing that. I used to do that. I talked to a guy one time. I used to do it all the time. Big, big, tall fella. And uh, actually, he was a Mexican background. And I said, if I pulled out a gun right now and shot you, he said, I've been shot before. I said, really? Yeah, he said, three times. I said, you've been shot three times? He goes, yep. Here, here, and here. And then I didn't know what to say. And God told me, said, ask him this. I just want to ask you a question. If you died because of that, he said, I don't want to happen. I said, you know that? He goes, yeah. No expression, none at all. Real hard life. A lot of the emotion in his life had been, been seared over. It's all gone. He just looked at me. Yep. I said, is that what you want? Nope. I said, if there's a way to know for sure you could go to heaven, would you want that? Yep. I said, so if I bowed my head, we're out on the street, west side, standing on, on the sidewalk next to the street. If I bowed my head, would you be embarrassed pray for me, with me? Nope. Would you do that with me? Yep. I said, okay, now I, I can't make you mean this, but I can help you pray if maybe you don't know how to. Okay. So I bowed my head. Dear Jesus. I said, no, you need to repeat after me. Okay. Dear Jesus. Dear Jesus. I realize. I realize. I am a sinner. I am a sinner. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that you had to die for me, that you had to die for me. But I'm thankful that you did. I'm thankful that you did. So that one day I can go to heaven to be with you. So that one day I can go to heaven to be with you. As much as I know how, I give you my life. He said the whole thing. When he was done, he just standing there. I called him by name. I said, I'm going to ask you a very, very important question. If you meant that with all of your heart, as much as you know how, you were actually asking God to forgive you and save you. Would you shake my hand? He shook my hand. He goes, yes, I did. I said, okay. He said, well, how do you know he meant it? Was there any tears? Tears doesn't mean you meant it or not. Some people have faced such a hard life, they just, it just doesn't happen. Months later, we were driving down, me and another fellow going soul winning, and out of the corner of my eye, we went by this, I think it was a drugstore or carry out or something, and I looked and I saw somebody standing there. I said, stop, 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 stop. And we slid on the gravel, and I got out. And I got out real quick, and it wasn't who I thought it was. And this person went. And I said, I'm sorry, I thought you were somebody else. And I explained to him that episode I just explained to you, how I stopped this guy out on the street. And we talked. By the way, that first guy, he was a crack dealer down at the corner house. When I stopped, I said, I'm Pastor Bell. He said, I know who you are. I said, how do you know that? He said, you talked to my cousin over on that street, on that sidewalk that day, he told me all about it. I said, man, oh man. And the whole time he just went like this, yes? Okay, I will. And he went and told his cousin. And sure enough, we stopped, I got out of the car, and he said, I know who you are. Well, it's not if you know who I am. 
What's important is, do you know who he is? You could fool me, but you can't fool him. You can say one thing to me and I'll go, okay. You say it to him, it's not true, and he'll say, I know better. Isn't that refreshing, though? You can't fool him, so you might as well be honest, right? If you're not saved, let's get saved this morning. Let's bow our heads and we'll look word of prayer.